Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. This is the Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen Refresh Your Wealth Show, ready to (laughs) rock your world. We're talking about saving taxes, building wealth, protecting your assets. So excited to be with you here today. Uh, We've got a great topic today, Matt. I'm excited about it. Yeah, thanks for listening in today, however you may be tuning in, whether podcasting or live uh, we appreciate you being here with us today, and feel free to email in questions as we go through the show today as well to Mark or I. You can reach us at mark at KKOS Lawyers or matt at kqslawyers.com. If you have questions on the show, we'll be happy to um, address them as they relate to today's topics. Yeah, and uh, in the future, for those that want a tax and legal show you can believe in and get straight answers and all, you know, really, frankly, understand it, and most importantly, not go to sleep. We are your <laughs> voice. And if you, if you want to go to refreshyourwealth.com, you can see all the future shows we're going to be holding. So if you're catching us on AM Radio 2 or on uh, iTunes after the fact, and you want to send in some questions in advance, we've got several for today's show, and we want to welcome that. So again, uh, refreshyourwealth.com, you can sign up for our newsletter and uh, get our ebooks and also the contact information shows for upcoming uh, questions for upcoming shows. We'd love to uh, have you there. Yeah, and uh, you know we're serious about this. We want you to give you informative information that really can help transform your situation. And um, we're excited about the topics. It's something that we have a passion for, and we're in the trenches every day helping out clients. Um, trying to navigate these waters. So um, come join us, and uh, you'll, you'll hopefully come out the other end learning something on each show and maybe even laugh once or twice about paying taxes. I mean, <laughs> why not? Yeah, help the pill go down. You know, it's painful as it is, so we're going to try to make it as special as we can. Um, now, today's show is how to turn your hobby into a business, and we want you passionate about what you do, and waking up every day. And inside all of you, Matt and I believe there's a little entrepreneur waiting to come out. And it could be that fun business you've always wanted to start, a hobby that you love doing. And we're going to try to throw down as many ideas and practical steps you can take to start creating revenue and tax write-offs for your hobby. Yeah, and we're going to give you the perks too. We want you to know there's perks in this. And we want to highlight those to you, maybe give you a little extra incentive. And also talk about just some basic planning concepts, what you need to know as you're going down that path. Uh, Give you an idea of what we've seen with many clients over the years as we've helped many business owners do this. And uh, shed some light on the topic, give you some good ideas. And uh, maybe incentivize some of you who haven't been down this path or some of you who are 
give you some new ideas and perspectives. And for those that are also, you know, like I said, call in with questions, or excuse me, and email those in as we're talking today as well. Yeah, and I, now I wanted to, uh, we're going to highlight our newsletter and some topics that uh, that we set forth on the newsletter. Every week we come up with, again, several blog articles and videos and some helpful information for many of you. But uh, I, you'll see on the newsletter today uh, the announcement for my monthly webinar, which is tonight. Now, don't worry if you're catching this recorded. Uh, the webinar tonight is also recorded, so you can tune in later if you want to uh, watch it. It's a full hour with me on my computer screen breaking down a topic in detail. And the topic tonight is how to hide your assets and protect yourself from identity theft. Now, this hiding your asset topic has been a huge one. I know that we're going to be covering this in a future radio show uh, podcast in the near future. We typically highlight J.J. Luna's book, How to Be Invisible. He's probably the foremost expert in the country. We've had some of his representatives on our show in the past. He is truly the Jack Reacher of asset protection. So he won't even come on my show because he doesn't like the, uh, his voice recorded. But uh, tonight we're going to be talking about – and Matt, this is an interesting point. I was listening to NPR yesterday. Talk about Big Brother. Talk about Big Brother. Mm-hmm. So on, on what there's, what's happening now, and some of you may have heard about this, the police have webcams that are recording license plates as you're driving around. So if they have this – it's like almost like a Google – camera that's on top of their police car and it's in the larger cities now and it and it picks up license plates and if it sees a license plate it records it and says it was located at this location on this date da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. so all these cop cars are gathering this data and in Albuquerque uh I believe oh my gosh was it Albuquerque it was uh, anyway there was a a governor Jordan, that, that just be- are breaking bad yeah, true. Of course, any time we can reference Breaking Bad, we've got to do it. Um, just think Walter White would have never gotten away with this if they would have had this technology there. But anyway, there was a – yeah. There was a, uh, a governor that just vetoed a bill not allowing the police to record this information because there's no – data there's no uh, check and balance as to how long they're keeping this data, what it's good for. They were interviewing a, poli- a, a city commissioner for L.A., on the show, and the police officer came on and said, I can just from – give me your license plate number. Threw it in his database. They knew where he lived. They knew where he frequented for groceries and stores and da, 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 and what doctor he went to. And the, the city councilman was like, holy crap, your police officers are gathering this data? So anyway, Matt, here's my – Whoa. Tip. Yeah, serious. Talk about Big Brother again. What, do we live in England? Okay, but anyway, so here's the thing. This is one of the topics I'm going to be covering tonight. Some of you might want to take your asset protection identity further off the grid. One of the strategies is having an entity set up to own your vehicles for registration. We will use Wyoming entities and New Mexico entities where the owner and manager is not disclosed. And therefore, uh, this is something J.J. Luna teaches. I've got to give homage to the man, the myth, the legend, J.J. Luna. He's uh, been implementing this with his clients for years so that if your license plate goes into one of these databases, it's not your name. It's a company that no one knows who owns it, and it's the one on the registration for your vehicle. So just another technique to hide your assets a little further. We're going to be talking about that tonight. Pretty sexy, I'm asking. You know, yeah. oh, you know how good this topic is. Because I'm literally holding in my hand a ticket I got for speeding taken by a camera on the side of the road. 
<laughs> and do you know how they knew where to send it to? My name is on my car registration. And your home address. And, of course, they pair that registration with my driver's license that has my picture, which matches the my mugshot photo in the traffic camera that I got a $250 ridiculous ticket for. So, uh-huh. uh, even more reasons to listen in. Even yeah, more. I love it. Yeah, big topic. Ticket. This yeah, is and we're going to be... T- yeah, we're going to be talking about using, you know, are you going to give your home address out to every Tom, Dick, and Harry? Maybe you should change that and hit reset. Anyway, big topic, not for today. In the newsletter, you can see the information on how to register for the webinar. Um, and uh, you can always go to refreshyourwealth.com to link up to our newsletter in the future so you have it. Uh, Matt, why don't you – I've been talking way too much here. Tell, tell everybody what else is on our newsletter. Great, great info tips. Yeah, we got some just a couple highlights on some important upcoming deadlines for taxes. Those of you who have your quarterly payroll reports coming up, for example, if you have an S-corporation, the end of the quarter is coming up here July 31st, so get ready to get your payroll reports um, filed. And also, uh, well, and Matt, let me correct you. Should be June 30th. I, I've got a, the payroll reports due the 31st. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm your accountant on the I'm on the accountant on the show, so I just want to make sure because yeah. someone just cringed. The end of the quarter is in June. But your payroll reports are due by the end of July, so I just you know, yeah. I just protect your backside so you don't get any hate mail. I was starting to self-correct there. You know, I I realize <laughs> I went astray, and I have my accountant just do it for me. So, um, and you know, uh, anyhow, um, also another July 31st deadline um, in terms of filing deadlines is for 401ks. Those of you that may have. 401k plans, such as a solo 401k, those your 5,500 filings are due on July 31st. Contact us in the office. We can help with those 5,500 filings. Now, Mark and I are speaking all over the country this, you know, over the next few months between New York, Phoenix, New Jersey. Mark's got his workshops from, you know, Seattle, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Honolulu. Check those out. They're all referenced on the newsletter. And, of course, you can sign up for the newsletters Mark mentioned at refreshyourwealth.com, where you can also receive copies of our free eBooks. So um, a lot of good blog articles. Mark and I are writing an article every week we're putting into the blog. Just to give you a highlight, last week's radio show was about how to protect your reputation online and in social media. Really critical topic in today's day and age for business owners and just individuals. You know, the, the web is really turning out to be number one resource of information, and Google your name. It may scare you. It may flatter you. Who knows what's out there? But um, businesses really are facing this issue. I had a follow-up article to the show um, that we had last week that's on the in the newsletter and is on my blog about legal issues and protecting your reputation online, what to do if you need to sue or be sued um, with respect to your reputation online. Um, so check that article out. Mark, you also have an article on... Uh, why you should hire your kids this summer. Oh, yeah. And this is a hot topic for those any time of year, but especially during the summer. I just called one of my teenagers at home this morning and said, what's on your agenda today? Of course, many of you parents know out there it's the time to try to keep your kids busy. I love the school year. I hate summer. <laughs> kids are wandering around, getting in trouble. This is a nightmare for me. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, to keep your kids working is a great tax strategy, and it's such a great teaching opportunity. So I've got an article in on that that's linked through entrepreneur.com. Uh, 
where it was originally uh, posted. Uh, thousands of likes on that. It's a great article and a video embedded in the article on uh, the practicalities of hiring your kids. And then there's two extra videos in the newsletter. What is the corporate veil? and how to protect the corporate veil. So two extra videos in there. Please give us a follow on our YouTube channel. Give it a like. Give it a share. Uh, it's important information that a lot of your friends and family, I'm sure, will appreciate. All these articles can be shared very constructively, and people will find helpful. Six common business scams, where to register my LLC, 10 steps to buying your first rental. Um, mine and Matt's full books um, are, are right there on the newsletter, too. So thanks, everybody. Yeah, so we got We're, stuff. We got stuff out there. We got stuff. We got a guy. <laughs> All we right. got a guy. Well, those of you that know the <laughs> those of you that know the format of this show know that we have a we start off with a tax and legal tip. And uh let's jump over to those and start off with our legal tip. And we have Jerem who's on the line with us. Jerem's an attorney out of our Cedar City office in the thriving metropolis in southern Utah. Jerem, you got a tip for us? I do. It's it's great to be here. Great to be in a in a town where I don't have to worry about uh, somebody taking a picture of me when I'm speeding and getting a ticket that way. So at least I don't think <laughs> yeah. that here in Cedar. So. You have to worry yeah. about the old-fashioned cops, right? You know. That's right. We have to worry about you know Andy of Mayberry here in Cooter. Cooter for for those uh, <laughs> for those Dukes of Hazzard fans that would be Coltrane. Yeah. Yeah. And Cooter was the mechanic. Sorry, I wrote I, I screwed yeah. up. Cooter was the mechanic. Rasco Pico Train. Now, by the way, I. I was in Cedar City, the home office, last week, and I'll tell you what you got to look out for. I turned the corner, and on the main road in Cedar City, I almost got ran over by one of those um, four-wheeler Raptor whatever things, you know. Yeah. Some teenagers yes. were just cruising around, you know, and it's, it's Duke's a hazard. It's living, living, living the dream out there, Jerem. We're jealous. And that's that's how we roll. That's how we roll in <laughs> All right. Well, what what so legal happenings are going on in Cedar City, Utah? <laughs> I didn't hear what Matt said, but I, I will get I will get to my tip. Um, uh, I have some actually some some breaking news out of out of neighboring Nevada. Um, the uh, the annual business license fee in Nevada actually for corporations just increased, or it's going to increase on July first um, from two hundred dollars to five hundred dollars annually. What? Um, yeah, which makes the initial state fees for a corporation in Nevada $725 when you take into Ooh. consideration the filing fee, the, <laughs> annu the annual business license fee, the annual list fee that you have to pay because that went up by $25. That makes Nevada's filing fees for a corporation the highest in the country. Um, oh, my gosh. This is like Christmas. This is like the best news I've heard all day because I'm so sick and tired of you-know-who headquarters selling this crap all over the country that you have to register in Nevada. Do you know how many – listeners, listeners, for my our followers out there, do you know how many calls we get a month, if not a year, of people that get sucked into this stupid scam of setting up my entity in Nevada or Delaware for their operational business for a state – you know. 3,000 miles away from Nevada. It's just unbelievable. And I just think this is just what needs to happen. I'm grateful for the – this is just great news. So many people will hopefully be dissuaded from registering in a state they don't need to be registered. I, this is fantastic news. Yeah, that was kind of my, my point, is it's just another reason to be extraordinarily wary of anybody who right off the bat um, is trying to 
shoehorn you into a Nevada entity when you don't do business there and you don't live there, you don't have a rental property there. Um, even filing fees for LLCs went up by twenty-five dollars to four hundred twenty-five a year. It's six fifty a year to to renew your your corporation in Nevada. Three fifty a year now to to renew your LLC. You're not saving any money ninety-nine percent of the time uh, by by setting up an entity in Nevada when you don't live there and you're not doing business there. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there, give that breaking news that the the fees are are going up in Nevada. Uh, and and to get a second opinion and to get get a a consult with a CPA with an attorney that will craft a situation or excuse me craft a solution for your situation when it comes to how to structure your business entities. Not everybody needs a Nevada entity. In fact, most folks don't. So I just wanted to to give that tip today. Yeah. So um, I want everybody to know Mark is not excited about people having to pay more fees. So if you live in Nevada and you're a small business oh, yeah. in Nevada and you're like Oh, suck! I gotta pay this huge fee now every year because there are people we like to set up Nevada entities. They're Nevada residents that do business in Nevada, or there's someone else that just may do business in Nevada. So um, I want those people to know I sympathize with your pain right now. Sorry about these increases in fees. Write your state legislator or whoever the governor. Um, maybe elect some new officials there because um, uh, we don't like larger fees. But as you as you can tell here, we. A lot of people get sucked into Nevada, and uh, and it's not for the gambling or the uh, the, the nightlife there. It's uh, to set up their corporation there when they have no other business being there. Okay, well I'm going to retract that completely and say I am not apologetic because for a for, for a resident of California paying taxes out the rear and $800 a year to maintain my S corp or LLC, you know. I, I I dream of the day I can move to Nevada. So if you've got a few extra yeah. fees, just enjoy <laughs> enjoy the bliss of not having state taxes. So anyway, uh, yeah. you you're can't, saying welcome to the club to those. Then there there you go. Welcome to the club. Yeah, come over to California. They're still like junior members though. They're not like full like you know California tax paying members. They're just kind of, you know they're, they're yeah. kind of like junior yeah. members right now. Yeah, uh, no, I and I I do any fees going up, Big Brother. Big government. I'm not a fan, but uh, wow. Breaking news. Jerem Bergeson, our attorney running the Cedar City, Utah, Southern Utah office. Jerem, thanks for joining the show. We appreciate it. Great to be here, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Jerem. Good tip. <laughs> All right. Well, if I don't watch it, I'm going to keep going off on my uh, uh, bully pulpit here. So we're going to bring out our next tipster. Uh, we're so excited to have on a regular basis Rick Taylor. Uh, CPA out of also our Southern Utah office. I don't know what's going on here. We're highlighting Southern Utah today. We've got Rick Taylor, a regular CPA, helping clients. I shouldn't say he's a regular CPA. He's a phenomenal CPA, but he regularly helps clients all over the country on tax planning. Rick, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Right here from sunny Southern Utah. Well, that's all you can say then, huh? Yeah, oh my God! Nothing else to say about Utah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> There's another proud citizen of City Utah. <laughs> oh boy! All right, what do you got for us this week? Okay, today I've got something that's that's near and dear to all of the the tax preparers here at, at Color and Air. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the um, the, the management companies, family management companies, and, and more specifically, I want to talk about what happens when your your son or your daughter turns 18. 
Um, we had a, Mark mentioned that he was here in town last week. We had a training on this last week given by Mark Kohler. Mm, um, sounds exciting. And it, it was it was fantastic. But I received a um, uh, something from a, a client. Um, it was actually Josh's client that we were discussing, and they had a daughter that turned 18 in 2014. Um, mm-hmm. That girl, they put, they had their family management company, and they paid her six thousand dollars during 2014. They made a bit of a mistake there, um, because when she turned 18, she no longer qualifies as a as a a child for the family management company purposes. Um, so I, I want all the listeners to to be aware that the year that you turn 18. Um, you've got to have a little a little antenna fly up to say something's happening here because um, the family management rules change at that point. Well, and I think this is very important, and I'll, I'll add a little bit of detail to this, is that as your kids are under age 18, uh, this is, of course, in the article in the newsletter. Thank you, Rick, for the little love, you know, talking about a yes, newsletter yes. article. Um, but if your kids are under age 18 – you do not have to withhold SUDA, FUDA, FICA, workers' comp, none of the payroll taxes. Pay your kids up to $6,300 this year. Phenomenal. But once they do turn 18, the kids need to morph into that 1099 role. So I can imagine, Rick, with that client, did they pay the $6,000 after they turned 18 or before or kind of a blend of the two? It's a blend of the two, and it's unfortunate because her birthday was actually in February, so most of it was after. Mm. So, if for those listening, that what would that that would mean that you would issue a 1099 to your child for anything after the 18th birthday that you paid them, but before the 18th birthday, you could just call it outside labor and probably even right. avoid a W-2 uh, right. reporting. Uh, now, some of you may say, "Well, hold it, Mark. You you can't just issue 1099s if they act like an employee and look like an employee, and they're working with the rank and file. They should get a W-2." Yeah, I totally agree. When they turn 18, if that's the role they're playing. So, I guess Rick, there's there's all sorts of options here. There are there are and there's a lot of things that that need to be considered, and and we're here to to answer questions. Now, let me let me interject. This is uh, you know, as two CPAs here are talking, this may be above your head, and you're thinking. Why would I pay my kids from my business? Because you get a tax deduction for it. So I do this strategy myself. I just want to make sure everybody's clear on that. You're getting a tax deduction. Obviously, you're going to be in a higher tax bracket than your kids. You're getting a tax deduction, and they get that payment. And uh, if they're under that 6300 uh, as Mark mentioned, there's no tax filing even required for them if that's their only income. And so it's a great tax planning strategy. Um, uh, there's obviously some key details there when you're reaching age 18, but I just want to bring it down a level, you know, kind of to, to attorney level, um, so that everyone else can maybe understand. Well, Rick, phenomenal question. Thank you so much, folks. This is Rick Taylor at K&E CPAs. You can uh, reach the firm uh, through our core websites, of course, refreshyourwealth.com. And if you want to talk to Rick in detail about this, I will say this: he has great powers for the mind. So there you go. Now, give Rick a call. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Rick, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Rick. All right, well, yep. well, we'll see you in a few weeks. Hopefully, we'll get you back on the show. Enjoy your summer. Well, Matt, before we jump into our uh, core topic today, we had a couple questions come in uh, even before the show, and I wanted to just see this question.
quickly, and one of them is right up your alley. So can I can I put you on the spot here? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm here for. Okay. Well, this is from Michelle, and she said, "Can uh, can you do a partnership between yourself and your self-directed 401k to do an initial purchase of a note or a property?" I have gotten conflicting advice from different people on this, so I wanted to ask the expert, Mark Kohler. No, she didn't say Mark Kohler, but the expert. I presume she's talking about Matt Sorensen, the author of book, The Diary Handbook. So, thank Michelle. What do you think, Matt? Break this down for Michelle, huh? Okay. Now, yes, this is possible, but it is the most complex thing you can do. So, it is possible the personal your to sorry to partner your own personal funds, not retirement plan money, with a self-directed retirement plan, whether it's a self-directed IRA or a self-directed 401k. So I can partner those funds in. Typically, you're going to have to use an LLC to do that. We break up the ownership of the LLC between those two sources of funds based on the dollars invested. So if you put in 60 grand of IRA money or 401k money, and then 40 grand of personal money, we'll send 60% of the ownership to the LLC to the retirement account. 40% would be to you personally. We just break it up based on the dollars invested. So it's possible. It's really tricky. That's the very raw outline of how it works. What I tell clients, if this is your first time self-directing your retirement account, you've just advanced to like the senior honors class status. So be careful. You've got a lot to learn to do that. But it is possible. Uh, just be careful. Seek out some advice. Uh, our office could certainly help with that. Oh, great comment. And I just yesterday did a consult on this topic uh, where a client was buying rental property, actually in the state of Utah, and they wanted to use a combination of three or four IRAs, their kids' covered L IRA, that had an HSA. So they were pulling multiple retirement accounts, and they wanted to buy a rental. And they said, okay, we'll just get a bank loan of 80%. And I said, oh, one caveat on this stuff that uh, Matt would cover or any of our attorneys in a consult on setting up a, a special purpose LLC for doing this, which we've been doing for 10 plus years, uh, is, is very doable. Don't listen to the critics out there. It's not that you can't do it, probably that they can't do it, and they're selling you something different. But I did warn the clients that it's still possible to even get a loan on that rental property with the combination of your retirement accounts, but you have two options. One is a non-recourse loan. So you can use leverage without any security provided personally by you. So your FICO score doesn't isn't involved. Or number two, bring a third partner into the mix. So you've got your money, your IRA or 401k money, and then a third partner that's willing to sign on the loan, a non-prohibited party, and they have great credit. So now you're pooling your money, pooling your credit. Exciting stuff. There you go. Blow it up. Boom. Yeah, there's a lot of articles. I mean, this is a big topic, and we have some prior radio shows you can check out. Again, that's refresherwealth.com to check out prior shows on self-directing your retirement account. A lot of resources on my website, SDIRA Handbook, that are free. You can just go check out and uh, get educated on this topic. Yeah, and iTunes listeners, of course, you see the history. There's over 150 shows there to choose from. Um, okay, we've got one other question here, and it sets – I think this sets the tone for our main topic today as we dive into it here at the bottom of the hour, how to turn your hobby into a business. So I've got a question from Tom via email. He was a little feisty in his email. Yeah, He said, Mark, I understand you're talking about the 
turning your hobby into a business. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. I, I wanted to leave the swear words out. No, I'm just, I'm just joking here. But he said, I understand you're talking about turning your hobby into a business. I didn't think that was legal. Doesn't the hobby loss rules from the IRS prevent you from turning your hobby into a business? Love your show. Please let me know if this is really possible. So that was a, a great comment. Um, so here's, here's uh, the first comment on that hobby loss rule is that you can have a small business that you would call your hobby because you love doing it and you're making revenue. What the IRS says under the hobby loss rules is that if you lose money on a regular basis, which would be three out of five years, the first two years, the IRS kind of looks the other way. If you're going to lose money the first two years, we get it. Um, but if you consistently lose money, the IRS says, whoa, 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 you can't keep using those losses to deduct against your other income. So we're only going to let you take your write-offs against your income. So you get to zero it out. There's no income in your hobby business if you have enough expenses to wipe it out. But you don't get to go negative and use those losses against other income. So I think, Matt, this happens a lot where people think, oh, hobby loss, um, I, I, I guess I can't start a business that would be characterized as a hobby. But that's that's really not the case. Yeah, and the goal is we want to transition this hobby into a business. So when we refer to hobby, we're referring to let's look at some things you love to do and take those things that you love to do and try and turn them into a business. And we're going to go through a number of examples today of clients or people we come in contact with so we can try and explain these issues to you. And you're right, there are some tax issues. We're going to talk about those today. Mark's highlighting on one key one, the hobby loss rule. We'll also talk about some just general legal issues and other business issues to, uh, uh, to let you know how you can go from a hobby to a, leg a legitimate business as we've uh, addressed in the show topic today. Yeah, and let's wait our whistle with this uh, first uh, with a couple examples. Um, I know Matt's got a couple. I'll throw out a couple here. But just to kind of get your juices flowing, uh, just this week, if you follow me on uh, Facebook, and we do, I do a daily little tax tip and legal tip, so hopefully you're catching me on Facebook. You probably saw some pictures of me. Uh, Saturday night, I went to Album Surf uh, down on Pacific Coast Highway, just two blocks from the ocean. Yes, I was in heaven. It was fun. So uh, take that, you Nevada residents not paying taxes. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I went down to Album Surf, and it was just his open house for his surf business, his surf shop. And it was so fun to see his surf shop because several years ago, uh, Matt Parker, he had uh, the owner, and Nate, his partner, they had started making surfboards in their garage. They loved it. It was their passion. Let's make surfboards. Let's figure it out. So they started making surfboards, started selling them. And now the business has taken off to the point where they were able to get a shop two blocks from the beach. They show up at the shop in the morning, go down and surf, come walk back up to the shop, open the doors, and they get to sell surfboards all day and, and listen to reggae in their shop. I mean, it's just the coolest thing in the world. And he's living the dream. Every time I see him, he's just smiling. You know, he's just smiling. And uh, he was able – and, and I, so my point with this first story is – uh, we'll talk about strategies and write-offs here too, of course. But the first thing I wanted to say is think of what you love doing and how you can make money at it. Now, with surfboards, if you love surfing, start making surfboards and selling them. Everything related to your 
interaction with other surfers and your travel and what you do and where you go could very well be related to surfing, so we'll generate those write-offs. Again, something we'll discuss more. But think of a way to make money at it. So whatever, whatever your hobby is, can I become a consultant in it? Can I sell a product in it? Can I sell a maintenance or service aspect to that? What do I love doing so that I can make money while I'm doing it? So that's, that's a first example that I think many could could use as a jumping off point. Yeah, that's awesome. And let me uh, let me give a, a good way to think about this and an example as well. Um, you know, there's a book, Good to Great, one of the most common business books out there, and it talks about you want to get an intersection of three things when you're thinking about starting a business. And this relates to this hobby issue and taking some of these things that you that may be a hobby. So these three things are what do you love to do, what are you good at, and what drives your economic engine or makes money? If you can find those one, where those three things intersect, that's the secret sauce, man. That's like that's the perfect connection of those items, and that's what you should be doing. Now, the easiest place to start is think about already the things, as Mark mentioned, that you love to do, and that may be your hobby or maybe your passion, and then try and find ways that you can make money. And it needs to be something you're good at, too. So um, I love that. But that's the intersection there. That's not me. That's, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Collins, good to great author, Stanford Business School professor. Well, and obviously there would be a problem with me starting a surf shop because even though I love doing it and I can make money at it, I pretty much suck at surfing. So uh, I do not have a confluence of those three factors. Yeah, no, he, Mark still makes me look like a tool out there, and I feel pretty dumb. But uh, so I think I think he likes to take me when I come to town, just so he can like, you know, so he can look good out there. So I'm uh, happy to serve that purpose. But yeah, fair point, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you another example. Um, you know, I like to ride bikes. I, I kind of got into cycling over this last year. And I wake up at 4.30 in the morning to go meet a bunch of other guys that ride on little bikes and skinny tires and wear stretchy clothing. And um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, TMI, I, you know, that was, uh, you know, a little more than I wanted to know. And he does shave his leg, ladies, so uh, that's an important aspect of biking, apparently. I don't know if it really is. Yeah. I think Matt was just looking for an excuse to shave his legs. But anyway, that's – Right, yeah. Key, like, continue on, my fine morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so – yeah, thanks for sharing that little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, shaving legs makes it faster. I'll just say that and we'll move on. But um, as I go out and ride bikes, and you know, there's a whole culture of people in, in any hobby. You know what I mean? I mean, whether you you fish or hunt, if it's a sport, if it's music, whatever it is, there's a culture of people in there, and there's an industry of products and services that that need to be provided. And one of the things, if you ride a bike a lot, like I do, I mean, uh, you put you ride as many miles as you got to get your bike fixed a lot, and you're always buying stuff. And um, so one of the persons I, one of the guys I ride with, he turned into a mobile bike mechanic. He was one of the guys that always knew how to fix bikes, knew you know was always helping other people. And so he ended up opening up a shop, buys a van, puts his company name on the side of it, and he drives to your house and fixes your bike. And so it's kind of a cool concept. He's selling bike product. He sells products. And, you know, you see him out there when you're riding, hey, come by and fix my bike this afternoon. And kind of a slick business model. You pay him through PayPal. You just 
texts him and he comes to your house, goes into your garage, fixes your bike, leaves it, it's all done and ready to go for tomorrow. And um, that's someone who took a hobby, um, something he was already doing anyways, because he was just good at bikes and learned how to fix them, and figured out, how can I make money at this and create a new idea about how to solve people's problems with their bikes? You don't want to open a shop um, and go to that capital-intensive process, but got a van, drives around to your house, brings his tools with them, and uh, um, it's a great little business model that uh, is a good example of this. Well, and, you know, if this guy wanted to take it to the next level, he becomes an Uber driver, too. So as he's going to his next appointment, (laughs) he takes a passenger along. Yeah, i got to stop and fix this bike. Do you mind? You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. For those of you who like to drive around, maybe just become an Uber driver. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's, let's connect the dots here. Yeah. And (laughs) now um, I want to throw out, of course, the tax aspect here, too. Um, and I may use another example to exemplify this, and I may use the infamous, famous guitarist, Sorensen, in this example. But um, one of the most underutilized tax strategies in small business, and we've dedicated entire shows to this, and we will continue to do so in the future, is the travel deduction. A lot of small business owners do not find purposes, reasons to travel uh, as a business write-off. Uh, I'm going to list five right here. I want everybody always at every show, we love lists. We want to get some takeaways. So I'm just going to hit five real here quick. On, and this relates to that hobby business. Whenever you travel, number one, try to meet a client or a customer, uh, someone that you are consulting with, you're providing a service or delivering a product to. Is there a customer or client you could meet with? Number two, meet with a vendor, someone that you may be buying uh, product or material from, Uh, Is there somewhere you could pick up supplies while you're traveling? Number three, have your annual meeting. This is something where if you have a corporation or an LLC once a year or more, as long as you take good notes and justify it and take uh, the opportunity to strategically plan with your partner. I think Bill Bill Gates called it his, uh, what was it, his uh, think week. You know, you take off a week to just go think about all the different things you wanted to do. and I may have that wrong. As I, Bill Gates came to mind, I apologize if it was some other major CEO. But Think Week, you know, what is that for you? Number four, um, visit a rental property. Are you do you buy rental properties where you visit, where you travel? I was just talking to someone this morning that just got back from Wisconsin. Her family's in Wisconsin. Uh, that's where she's trying to buy rentals is in Wisconsin, um, so that every time she goes back there, she can take a write off. And number five is attend a workshop. Why not couple my business travel with a workshop? And uh, that's where Matt and I try to be very, very uh, active um, speaking ourselves. But we encourage our clients to look at the uh, local real estate clubs wherever you go. Uh, It could be a Renatus club meeting. Uh, We love Renatus and the education for real estate that can be delivered online very affordably. Uh, Call us if you have questions about that and Matt or myself. Um, But there's always a great workshop or club or group you can be associated with. Couple that with your travel. So that brings us around to Matt Sorensen and the lead or rhythm guitar, depending on the set, of Sylvie Dog. So <laughs> many of you don't know, you know, Matt Sorensen is a closet guitarist, and he I've seen him rock out. I just yeah. want to compliment you, Matt. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, and I am. I like how you, you, you know, gave a little caveat there. He's a rhythm or lead guitarist, depending on the set. And what Mark means by that, if it's easy songs, 
I'm the lead guitarist. If it's a hard song, I'm the rhythm guitarist. <laughs> so that's, there you how go. That, that's how that one plays out. Yeah, yeah, but I liked it a moment ago when Matt was giving ideas of hobbies, and he said whether it's uh, a service, a product, a, uh, or even music. And, it, and so that's a great idea to have a band. And if mm-hmm. you, and I know Matt's band at one point, they were making, um, getting gigs and compensated oh, yeah. for it. Yeah. And so yeah, I, we, I remember – go ahead. I was say, yeah, we were – you know, we, got, we did get paid to play some shows. Believe it or not, people did actually pay us for that. And uh, I, I love doing it. I, I would have paid sometimes to play at some of those shows myself because it's, it's just kind of a fun <laughs> experience, you know. So uh, – and I love to rock and roll, let's be honest. That's, if I could do anything, that's what I'd do. But, again, I'm not good enough at it. But I was good enough that it could be a side business of ours. And in our band – um, you know, we had an accountant, we had a financial advisor, we had a doctor and a lawyer, and we were like this, you know, working class village people, ensemble of people. But um, <laughs> but we were making money, and we were expensing that effectively out of the band quasi business and buying equipment. And um, as I would get my little share of the money, I would I would spend it on buying new equipment for myself. Um, which I would probably buy anyways. So um, and th- these are how you can tie some of these things together, start earning some income, start creating some expenses to buy stuff that you're going to buy anyways because it's something you love to do. Oh, my gosh. How many guys out there listening to the show, guys or ladies, that uh, my daughter, who's taking drum lessons and playing the guitar, wouldn't it be cool to go down to the guitar shop and get a tax write-off to buy that new cool guitar you've been looking at? Unbelievable, right? So... Okay, now let's talk practically here too. So here's some of the important steps. I'm just going to run through some basic steps for some of you that are that may be new to business per se. I think with any small business, the more you can legitimize it, the better. So let's say you come up with your idea, your hobby, you're, you're re- relatively good at it, you've created a, a financial model. Number one, open a bank account. Get a bank account open for this small business. You don't probably need to set up an LLC or a corporation yet, unless your hobby is, you know, bungee jumping and you're going to, you know, throw people off buildings. You might want the liability protection, but there may not be a tax reason to go out and set up an entity yet. But at least open a bank account. Some of you may set up a DBA doing business as, so you've locked down your little creative name in the local area. The bank may require a DBA to open a bank account anyway. But get an account open. Set up a square or a payment procedure so that people can pay you easily, whether it's PayPal or whatever it is. So many business owners fail at this area. They make it hard for people to pay them. Make it easy. Have the money ready to go right into your bank account. Have your logo, have your design, have your business card, get your bank account, and treat it like a business. Now, deep down, you're as giddy as a you know, schoolboy running around, so excited, quote from Indiana Jones, and you're so excited to have a little um, business going on, but you want to create that presentation of seriousness. So I, I think it's really, really important that you take it legitimate so, and track the record. And we'll come to bookkeeping here, but, but get it set up legitimately. Yeah, and this is not expensive to do. We're talking about some bare-bone basic stuff. You can do it yourself, or you can hire some people very affordably affordably to get this stuff done. We're not talking about going and leasing an office or buying a storefront or you know buying all a significant amount of equipment. That's probably not necessary in a lot of these small businesses that you may want to start up and, and transition this hobby. So 
um, really easy things to do. It legitimizes your business. It's going to make you more successful at the, in the business. It's going to show your friends and people that you are going to be your first center of influence to go to as customers to say, oh, they're really going for it. They're really trying to be legitimate here. And uh, great ideas and good tips, Mark. And I think as you start that business, um, you know, a couple things you want to be thinking about is, um, and I've had clients go both ways on this. I have some clients that say, I just want this to stay as a side business, so to speak. I have a profession or a day job or other thing that 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 I not don't want to detract from yet. But I do want something on the side, some additional supplemental income. Um, I want to you know work in an area that I love, and maybe it, maybe it hits big. Then I'll have other clients who say this is something I want to build to be the next big thing, and I want to go for it. And if you're in that case, this is going to be a stepped process. Even if you think this is going to be the next big thing, you can take it in small steps here, start out as Mark talked about. You can even just have a sole proprietorship, and then that will allow you to transition into maybe setting up a company as you get a little more established and uh, you know, think about hiring employees. But don't focus on all that complexity yet. We like clients to just get started first, get a DBA, get a bank account, start going out and getting started um, in the business area that you're looking at. Yeah, and I great comments, Matt. And I'll make uh, – I still want to rattle off. I know Matt's got a laundry list here, and it's really important we rattle off uh, a few more specific tips and a couple more examples that I've still got in my arsenal here of just fun stories on this. But number one, don't get greedy with expenses. That's an important point here. Um, there's cases every year of people that start uh, whatever small business it is. And there was one last year on a handyman. He he was a doctor, and he started doing some woodworking and some handyman kind of construction stuff on the side for fun. And he was building chairs and kind of the little wood shop. It's funny how doctors kind of get into wood shops for some reason. But anyway, he was writing off up to close up to thirty thousand dollars a year of equipment and supplies and all these. He had a loss, and I mean it was a, a significant loss. And, and right there, you're going to garner the attention of the IRS. So don't get greedy. If you have a three, four, five thousand dollar loss, uh, even for a couple or more, two or three years, and you can show that you're on a path to building a small business, the IRS is going to back off. They're going to give you some breathing room. But if you get greedy, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Don't overdo it. it it's just so so important. Yeah, the classic age-old principle <laughs> that that rule always applies no matter what area of the taxes you're paying about. And you know, uh, as you're getting started. Just that's a good tax planning strategy. That's also a good financial management strategy, you know. And and you may be buying stuff in your business that you're going to expense some of it and some of the use of it, but other the other portion of it may be personal. So you may buy something that only has partial business use and you can only partially expense. And so you want to be reasonable about that. If you're buying big ticket items, that's something you maybe talk to your accountant about and get an opinion quickly from them about. Hey, how am I going to be able to expense this or not? Maybe do that before you buy it so you're not holding out on, I'm going to be expensing this whole thing. Right, right. Now, as for bookkeeping, you could start out with uh, just an Excel spreadsheet. Keep track of your expenses in this small business. Yes, I mentioned having a small uh, a bank account for this new small business. But if you use credit cards, debit cards, cash, whatever, just keep a list of all the expenses related to your band or your mobile uh bike repair or your hunting 
guide service or surfboard making business, whatever it is, just keep a list of your expenses. Now, your accountant should be rubbing their hands together at the end of the year going, oh, this is great. Okay, show me your revenue. Show me your expenses. Let's look at cell phone and travel and dining and entertainment and home office and all these little things, especially for you out there, listeners that are W-2 employees. This is a great starting point. The number one tax tip in my books is constantly have a small business on the side. And what more of a blessing if it is a hobby and something you enjoy doing, of course. So Keep good records in your expenses. If your CPA does not you know, rush to you at the door with open arms and is excited about this, um, then you got the wrong CPA. So, so important that they get on the phone with you and are excited about this. Yeah. Now, one other tip I wanted to throw out there is when you're looking at starting a business, as we're talking about here in an area you love, try and find one that you have good relationships with people. Um, I have another quick example here. We had a a friend of my wife and I, and uh, this friend of ours, she married um, another guy, and we met him at the Super Bowl last year. The Super Bowl was here in Phoenix, you know, where where I am uh, proudly located. And uh, and so they're at this, the Super Bowl, and we meet him at a party, and I said, what do you do for for work? And he's like, like, oh, I I plan parties, and, and I'll help schedule celebrities or professional athletes to show up at your party. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. How'd you get into that? Well, I just kind of planned events, and I love sports. So I was like, man, I can, like, people will pay to get certain athletes to show up at events. So we started this little business on the side. And over time, it took off, and now he has a business. Well, that's what he does. He's got a roster of clients that are celebrities or professional athletes, and he'll pay him, and you pay him to have them show up at a party or other event. And he's got this whole fee service. Do you want them to speak or not? Do they need to hang out with you or not? You know, and it's like it's more if they're gonna like hang out with you and be, and pretend like they're your buddy, you gotta pay more. If they gotta speak, they got, you gotta pay them more. If you just want them to show up, it's the fees less. You know, how long are they gonna oh. be there? Do they just make an appearance? They gotta stay for thirty minutes. There's all these you know interesting things. But he's really carved out a little a little business here, and he was just a huge sports fan and had this relationship with companies that we used to book people to speak at events and hold events. And so he, he paired those two together, and it really worked for him because he had those relationships. And he had the relationships on the side of you know the, the people who had paid to, to book events and, uh, and paired those two things together to uh, start a successful business. Well, the truth comes out because I was at Matt's uh, New Year's Eve party and, you know, Jason Kidd was there, you know, and I was like, what's up with Jason Kidd, you know, and I, Matt's like, oh, we're all buds. So apparently uh, yeah. you probably threw down some coin for that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I shouldn't have told that story, huh? That's a bad call on my end. <laughs> bad call, yeah. Uh, now, um, let me throw out, uh, again, keep this rolling. I, I so excited about this this topic so so important now let's turn to the legal side we've talked about the tax side but the legal side is really important um of course as many of you can imagine out there it's not uncommon for some yahoo to start this business on the side and then within weeks or months screw it up and you know tick off a customer or a vendor or you know blow something up and now all of a sudden someone's hurt and there could be a lawsuit and uh, and unbeknownst to you, this thing has turned into just, uh, you didn't see it coming, and now it's a nightmare. So let's take some precautionary steps here. The, the first thing I would say is make sure that if you are going to provide a service 
that you have a service agreement. Don't do things on a handshake. Make sure that you take the time to have a little one-page, two-page agreement, whatever the case is, uh, whether you're delivering services via the web or in person, that your buyers know what they're paying for, how you're delivering it, what you're delivering, and what the boundaries are of that. And make sure that you have a customer service policy and some waivers of liability if that's necessary and have that all in the agreement, especially even collection procedures. Are you getting paid up front or over time? And have a procedure so that you're protecting yourself. Assume the worst case when you start those transactions. Plan for the best, but make sure you've got a safety net of the worst case scenario so that you're, you're, you're protected. So, so important. Yeah, and let me just throw out another tip too. You may be thinking, man, maybe I got a buddy of mine or a friend of mine um, that might want to do this little business venture with me on the side. Um, we have entire radio shows on this topic, um, <laughs> partnering. So um, partnering is great. You can bring together the strengths and weaknesses of different parties. Maybe someone's got money, someone's got more time, someone's got credit. You, know, you bring together all these different strengths together and sometimes it's just fun to have a partner too in a business, and um, and so like just imagine being Mark Kohler's partner. How fun is that? Oh, <laughs> loads, loads of fun. <laughs> I mean that sincerely. No. Uh, oh, thank you. But but seriously, uh, you want to document and have a partnership agreement, and we can. We, I mean, we have entire shows dedicated to this, but I want to just highlight that out. If you do bring in a partner. Just take some uh, some time to write down an agreement. Whatever you talk about and is worth talking about to say you're going to do in your business and what one person is doing versus the other, get it written down. Get some basic guidelines. Um, maybe go to an attorney if it's going to you know there's going to be a significant investment of time or money. But uh, but otherwise, just get at least something down in writing that you both sign. Love it. Uh, let's talk entities. Two comments I have here. Number one, for some of you out there that are already small business owners and you've got an S-Corp or an LLC set up for operations, and this is a little operational business. We're not talking about rental properties here. So you And uh, again, watch some of our videos on this. This is classic KKOS planning on operations versus passive or investment income and which entities fit where. But let's just assume here for a moment you're up to speed here with our vernacular. We would want you to have an operational entity for your main business. Well, it's very, very simple to add... Uh, extra business or sources of income into that one central entity. I have Mark J. Kohler, Inc. That is my one S-Corp. Now, it may own parts of LLCs, or, uh, but it could own URLs and DBAs, and all that revenue could go into one entity. So for those out there that already have an entity and you have a small business you're starting on the side, use that entity uh, and, and take advantage of it. It's already there. So you've got some corporate veil protection don't uh, ignore it. And number two, in 90% of the states out there, you can set up a basic LLC for a very reasonable filing fee. Of course, you've got your bad states like Illinois, Texas, California, Nevada, where the filing fees are exorbitant. But for many of you, if this is your first small business venture, you don't, you're a W-2 uh, corporate employee and you don't have that extra entity laying around that you can use, set up an LLC. It's a great starting point. You get asset protection, um, and it doesn't have to be terribly expensive. Watch out for the one-click at LegalZoom and screw it up. We've got a service called FixMyLegalZoomEntity.com. You know, give us a call if you've got that one sheet of paper in the drawer. There's more involved than that, but we have a paralegal rate that's very 
uh, that's cheaper than LegalZoom in, again, most states. So don't be afraid to set up an entity. It could be a great fit. Yeah, and I just want to say, give out some final thoughts here is don't feel overwhelmed by this. I think a lot of people have thought about this for a long time, and it's just one of those things you can put off, and you want to do it, but you just don't go for it. Um, my 14-year-old and 16-year-old have their own business, and you'll hear about them. You know, I talk about them in the show quite a bit, and, I'm, and it's cool. They've, they've been successful at it. They've learned a lot, and um, they can do it, you know, and so find something you love to do, and as we said, find something that makes money and that you're good at. When you get those three things to intersect, that's the secret sauce. Go after it. And um, we want to help you live the American dream. Keep listening in the show for for tips and strategies. And, Mark, I, this is an awesome topic. This is Mark's idea for the show today. Um, really, I, I have always have fun talking about this topic, and I try and be a cheerleader for it. I don't, I don't know why, but uh, always trying to raw <laughs> everyone into it. Yeah, no. Oh, thank you, Matt, for your compliments, too. I, I uh, meet so many people that want to be entrepreneurs, want the tax savings, and want to wake up in the day and do something they love. Um, so many of our clients, and I'm sure some of you listening today, you've got your day job, and you're counting the hours and the minutes till you can leave work to go do the small business you love. Whether it's a little real estate project, you're doing a fix-up, or you've got a rental, or Again, you're online with this uh, internet-based business. Um, if you're like me, you're you're laying in bed at night, looking up, going, "Oh my gosh, okay, I got another idea," and you're writing it down. The other night, I think it was Saturday night, I went to bed with a yellow pad, and uh, in the morning, I had three sheets of ju- of just ideas and uh, things that I wanted to implement. Uh, you could read it, but it was there, you know, something to work with. So <laughs> it was hard to understand, but you know, yeah. It, it was uh, Monday morning was ugly in our staff meeting. Okay, what do you mean here? Okay, anyway. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening too. We're going to be here every week. Uh, you can go to refreshyourwealth.com and look at our upcoming shows. We're excited about uh, the future here uh, with what we're doing on the show. Please send in your questions in advance, and we're we're not going anywhere. So it's going to be it's going to be a good year. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, if you like the show, please go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes. We always love those reviews. And for show questions, if you'd like to send those in in advance, send them to Mark or Matt at KQS Lawyers. Thanks again. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week for another Refresh Your Wealth show.